We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this conversation. I'm super excited to be here with a good friend who I've gotten to know over many, many years. And this is Ted Thee. And Ted has, how I got to know Ted was down in Westward Ho Country Club days yes. when my, my little, my little babies, we were, they were growing and you were taking care of us down there. And then later on at Minnehaha Country Club. That's it. So he has a, a really rich history in Country clubs, the, the hospitality, the hospitality industry. industry. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way of stating it. Yeah. But first off, you know he's got a lot of insights that he's going to share with us today on leadership and experiences. So first off, Ted, just tell us about you. Tell us your story. Sure. So uh, been in the hospitality industry about forty years. Some people may say that's too long, but it's it's been it's been great uh, in the country club industry for about thirty six of those forty years. Uh, literally started out at Westward Ho. And, you know, if you go back, I was, I was at Westward Ho four different times. And I guess the fourth time they threw me out, it was, <laughs> I was smart enough to stay away. Uh, but, uh, worked uh, a little bit in Minneapolis, um, Aberdeen, South Dakota, Moccasin Creek Country Club, uh, Arrowhead Country Club in Rapid City. So I've been thrown out of most of the good clubs in South yeah. Dakota. So, yeah. uh, just great experiences. And love the hospitality industry. When I first got into the to the industry, I had uh, I'd gone to school in, in the culinary field, got my uh, culinary degree, and then uh, I figured out that the kitchen was really hot in June, July, and August. So <laughs> went back to school and figured I would try to make my way to the front end. And uh, so did that. Uh, have have been extremely blessed. Uh, don't feel like I've worked a day in my life. So. Yeah. Well, it's obvious how you've always executed your job with a ton of enthusiasm. So with 40 years of experience in hospitality, yes, 36 of it in country clubs, yes. you have had the opportunity to see a lot of good leaders. Yes. You've had a lot of opportunity to probably see some poor leaders. Yes. You've gone through a lot of training and development yourself on how to become a better leader. You, I can't imagine in 40 years how many people you've had to hire, train, <laughs> develop at all different levels within the, within the hospitality. So if you reflect back now on your 40 years, True. what attributes do you think are critical to become a better leader? Well, number one, I think, is that you have to understand that you're a servant and not the leader. And the only way to be a great leader is to be the servant, to be that person that knows and understands. You're working with uh, an enormous amount of personalities, so you want to be empathetic and understanding of those people. And you also want to you want to make it known that you're going to lead them in the correct way, that you're going to give them the direction, you're going to give them everything that's necessary for them to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's in itself the, the 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 basic part of being that great leader is to understand that you, first of all you're the servant, and then secondly is to understand that there ninety five percent of the people want to work for somebody. 
4% of the 5% that's left want to know that somebody's going to lead them. 1% of the people are true leaders. And that's that's where we end up with all of that. And, and uh, I, I, I just, I believe in my heart that, uh, that, that those people that uh, are leaders are developed and they're not born. I know that some people say leaders are born. I, I don't believe that in a minute. Mm-hmm. I think that, that you, you groom yourself all the way through your life. And, and sometimes you get to that point where you just say, you know, I'm frustrated with this and I don't want to lead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, there's an incredible amount of satisfaction of being yeah. a leader. Yeah. Okay, so let's pull, pull apart a few of those words because I think very brilliantly said. So first of all, the first attribute is servant leadership. Yes. Empathy, yeah. right? The ability to feel somebody else's feeling and then what goes right along with it, understand. Yeah. Yeah. Helping people get clarity. Yeah. That's right here. So I want to tell a story quick sure. of you about you. <laughs> That helps that. So I'll never forget, I'm sitting at the pool. This was probably 15, 20 years ago. And my kids are there, and there's the baby pool. And all of a sudden, I see this guy in a three-piece suit jump into this baby pool and grab this little kid that was struggling. Struggling. And the parents had taken their eyes off of it. And, you know, you were there. The lifeguard was there, but you got there. In your three-piece suit, <laughs> in the pool, and I just—I'll never forget that. Well, of, of, I was much faster then than I yeah. am now. <laughs> yeah, and I could go after story after story. This, you know, times when I'd have a birthday and I'd be on the golf course, and all of a sudden Ted would show up with just a little snack. It was the snack were drinks, actually. <laughs> yeah, but but, just, but you always. just always said, "Hey, you're—we're always there to serve." So you. you I love the words, but I've seen you live it out. So empathy. Empathy is the ability to feel what somebody else is feeling. So talk to me about that. What does that mean to you? Not only feeling it, but understanding it. Mm-hmm. Walking a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Being there for them. And, and not just saying it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who just say it. Yeah. But the, the, the people who really try to live that and understand that mm-hmm. and know that, People look to them, and and I I don't want to say that they look up to them, but they they look to them to be able to lead them where they yeah. believe they want to go. Yeah. And what comes out of that is is truly what I what I think is the number one driver of of empathy is awareness. Yeah. And you know not just walking down the hall with your eyes to the ground and yeah. But but being able to look around and see what's you know see what's there. I know a lot of times people said to me, you know, four or five of your staff walked by that straw that was on the floor until you walked by and picked it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> to me, that's more of a learning experience to just say, hey, listen, you know, the straw was sitting there on the ground. You know, we, yeah. we need to pick those up and to be able to be aware of that. And But that develops into the empathy part of it mm-hmm. to understand what, you know, you have no idea what how somebody had a day they might have put their dog to sleep in the morning or whatever the case is but just being there to understand and to be aware of what those situations are Mm -hmm. and you know people can people can say what they want empathy is not sympathy yeah you know and i think a lot of people say well you know too bad for that but you know that, that no just understanding 
none, none of them have ever come to me and said, you know, I wish you would have given me the rest of the day off or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're empathetic, you just give them the day off. You don't feel sorry for them. Yeah. But you just say, hey, listen, hey, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Why don't you just mm -hmm. head home and we'll make it through the rest of this day and, yeah. and, and things will get done. And people just understanding that and knowing that, you know, one thing that I've always tried to live by is whether any member of the club or their their close-knit family mm -hmm. had passed away, I always tried to show up. Mm -hmm. I maybe didn't know them as well as I knew other people, but it it's just that empathy of them knowing. And I didn't do it because I wanted to be noticed. I did it because it, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's to, to understand what they're going through and and mm -hmm. and just just being there, mm -hmm. whether it's for the employees or whether it's for the members or yeah. or whomever it is, the the, the customers in, in many cases. Yeah. So, I, and I'm going to tell another story, okay? Because I think stories really help us solidify <laughs> these concepts. Because I, I've I've watched you for so many years, and one of the things I always appreciated, like in the dining experience, when you would come around, it was always you're so engaging. You're just checking in to say hi. If you would notice something that wasn't quite right, you would make it right while the team watched you make it right. <laughs> so again, that servant leadership comes back because it's very easy as leaders just to go bark orders, isn't it? It is. Versus, oh, like you gave the straw example. They see you. You're not too big to go do that little thing. And I think that goes a long way. <clears throat> also, I've watched over the years, Ted, and I'm going to bring up names that these listeners will never know, but you know, and I know, Dan, DH, some of these people that have been with you, working with you, that were a phenomenal human beings. And I would say that I've learned in my path, people don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses. Exactly. Yeah. And I think as I watched the, how you impacted those people, it was a true family. A true family. And families are ugly sometimes, aren't yeah, they? I can relate to that. I come from a family of 10. Yeah, so I say, hey, it gets uglier. We treat people like family. I'm like, you know anything about my family? I mean, we all. I mean, but that's what, what's Correct. special about families, yes. right? Yes. We can deal with conflict. We can deal with those things. So I think, you know, as, as you're listening to Ted today, is servant leadership is observable. Yes. So people are watching. They're always watching. They're always watching. You don't think they're watching, yeah. But they're watching, especially employees. Yeah, employees are watching a lot more than members or or guests yeah. in a hotel or, or or a hospitality setting. Yeah. You said something earlier that that really struck a chord with me because I I believe in what we do in our consulting business now. We try to teach people, you know, lead by example, because. In today's world, and, and you know, I, I get a little bit um, upset with people that say, well, you know, Generation Z or, you know, what, what no, they're no different. Mm -hmm. when, when I was young, you know, yeah. it, you know, I, I had my struggles, you had your struggles, everybody right. had their own struggles. Yeah. So, you know, don't, don't pigeonhole people into that, but understand that, hey, listen, you have to, Change is inevitable. Yeah. People who change yeah. do well. People yeah. who don't change, they don't do very well. Right. So as we're trying to, to talk about and, and listen 
and lead these people, mm -hmm. they have to understand that that they're not the same as 20 years ago. Right. So we have to be able to change and manage them differently than we manage someone else. And yeah. I think that, that that all leads into to what we're talking about mm -hmm. in any type of leadership. And you talk about Dan and DH and those types of people. Hey, listen, there's a lot of great people around. Yeah. But I believe if you understand those people and you allow people to be able to grow and to, to develop themselves, yeah. not as not as the way you see them, yeah. but as themselves, um, they tend to be a lot better at their jobs than yeah. any of us could yeah. even imagine. Yeah. So relationships. Yes. That's what we're really talking yeah. about. So yeah. many times I know as business owners, we think we're going to manage things from a spreadsheet. Yeah. And even though those things are very important, you can't put relationships on a spreadsheet. No. And, and how we invest in those. And, and I always think about this. What in our lives do we invest that much money in that's more than what we're investing in a single employee. So if you're spending 15, 20, $25 an hour, $30 an hour, there's nothing besides maybe a mortgage. Yep. So the time that we put into people is, is critical. And, it, and we can't have a great customer experience unless we have a great team experience. Exactly. Yeah. And once again, they're watching. They understand yeah. if you're investing in them, whether it's through training mm -hmm. or time or benefits or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. they're watching and they understand if you are investing in them. Absolutely. We, yeah. we don't think they do, but yeah, they, they really do. do. Absolutely. So, Ted, we're really talking about relationships. I want you to continue to go deeper. Sure. Pull, pull relationship sure. building apart a little bit more. Sure. So, re relationship building, once again, um, it's, it's laid by example. It comes from the top. Relationship building has to start somewhere. There are people that just simply don't understand how to develop relationships, but if they're shown and if they can see it, mm -hmm. then they can go ahead and grow it. Dan, for example, was one of those people. He just was a machine and we just said, hey, listen, you got a great personality, just use that. Well, <laughs> now, he's, now he's a super machine. Because yeah. he just he just he just gets it and mm -hmm. understands it. But I think once again, I think those relationships have to be developed and grown, yeah. and they'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And there's going to be a curveball every once in a while that's going to yeah. come in there. I mean, everybody everybody ends up once in a while with that little curveball yeah. that comes in there. But it's just what you do with it. Yeah. And 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 understanding and knowing we understand this, but. If, if there's something that does happen, there's only two words that people want to hear. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then after you say, I'm sorry, then you have to understand. You got to do something about what just happened. Love it. You got to make it right. Yep. Okay. And, yeah. So let me pull that apart because that's big. I want. I don't want you to miss what Ted's saying here. So there's a guy by the name of Shep Hyken. He's, he's an experienced economy expert. Sure. And, and he has this statement to help kind of sum up what you're just saying. There's moments of truth. Yes. There's moments of magic, moments of mediocrity, and moments of misery. Now, we all want moments of magic, but we know that's not realistic. We want to avoid moments of mediocrity because that comes off as you don't care and yeah. it just becomes average, below average. But moments of misery, how we handle those, turning those moments of misery into moments of magic starts with, I'm sorry. Now, 
what's next? Yeah, exactly. And and I I always tried to teach <clears throat> from the dishwashers on up. I always tried to teach people just to understand. Here's what happens when I say I'm sorry to you. Now all of a sudden, you you got nothing. You. Yeah, because you, you can't you can't get mad at me anymore because I just told you I was sorry. Yeah. You can be mad, but you can't get mad at me anymore. Yeah. Then comes the point of truth. You have to do something with it. Right. And because you're saying be, sorry over and over again and no, making the same mistake. You, that doesn't no, go. You got to well. be sincere. Yeah. Right. And understand. And once you make that good, guess what? That person now is on your side forever. Yeah. You're yeah. you now have a newfound friend that you may have never had before. Yeah. Okay, let's let's transition. I got so we've talked about some great attributes of great leaders, servant leadership, making sure we are, are seeking to understand versus be understood, empathy, right? All great attributes. Pull those apart. Now, as I look at leaders, they have routines. Yes. And some people don't even think it's a routine, but I think we do it, we've developed our routines. What's been your routine that you've learned over the last 40 years that works for you? Sure. In the hospitality business, I would tell you that it's this, MBWA. Okay, hold on. MBWA, yes. okay. Managed by walking around. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so it, it, it just is. If, if you're walking around and you're engaged, not only with the staff, but with your customers or members or whatever the case might be, it's understandable. Now, if there is a moment of truth or a moment of misery, they can tell you about it and you can do something. If you're just sitting in an office, going through the spreadsheets and making sure that all the costs and expenses mm -hmm. are in line, you can't do that. And mm -hmm. from uh, a very young age, I learned when, when I came into the club, the first thing I did was put my stuff on my desk and went around and greeted everybody because mm -hmm. I wanted to know and they knew that I wanted to know and they would tell me if mm -hmm. something wasn't right. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're there, you're taking care of everything. They feel like they're taken care of. Then you can go on with the day. Yeah. And you'll have a great day. Right. Just, uh, you know, brilliant. And so <clears throat> managed by walking around now, as I've watched you all these years, I mean, you're right. Yeah. Because we have a tendency then, because that's not really relationship building, by management, walking around, telling them thank you, engaging yep. in conversations, all strengthens the, the, the relationship. Yep. Okay, so last question I have for you is the people listening yes. of all walks of life, many of them say, I want to be a better leader. Sure. Where, where would you recommend they start? Number one, you have to look at yourself. Mm -hmm. Th that's the big thing. What are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And so once again, when, when we're doing consulting, we're talking with people is to understand your, your strengths, understand what they are mm -hmm. and work on your weaknesses Yeah, and know that because I, I know people feel like they're surveyed to death, mm -hmm. but the best thing that, that people can do is to survey their employees. Yeah. We, we do a lot of employee surveys and we mm -hmm. find out a lot of things. Know, know what those touch points are. Understand what those touch points are. And then you got to do something about it. Right. If people say, I feel like I feel like you, you don't pay any attention to me or anybody else. You don't have to take them all literally, but mm -hmm. you have to understand what all of those comments were. And then 
you have to do something about it. Yeah, and don't you think, as you say that, don't all of us just want to be heard? Yes. Sometimes it's like you can't really do anything with the complaint, but I want to be heard and then we can have yeah. a conversation around it. If you understand that I hear you mm-hmm. and you heard me, yeah. we can get somewhere. Absolutely. If if not, we're yeah. kind of dead in the water. Yeah. Okay, so because I have you here, I'm yep. going to take advantage of this time. <laughs> okay. um, you and I love experiences. We love yes. great experiences. I've loved watching you create some amazing experiences for me and my family. As you teach and have taught, how do you get people to understand the key components of a great experience? Sure. So I'll just use this as an example. And once again, I'm not, I'm I'm just trying to, to let you better understand this. I don't need anybody to pat me on the back or whatever the case is because I did this because it was important. We had a gentleman that was a member for 50 years and, um, he had lost his wife and he was kind of going through some cancerous, um, he had uh, colon cancer and was, was not doing so well. And so uh, one night he was there and he had had, um, he had had his, uh, his cancer medications uh, that afternoon and, and was kind of feeling pretty bad. And so um, he said to me, uh, I said to him, you know, Charlie, what can we do? What can we, what can we make you to really help you get through the rest of this day? And he said, you know, I just love to have a lobster tail. Okay, go back to the kitchen. We'd have lobster on the menu. So, um, talked to the chef, and he said we have crab legs and things like that. And I went back out and said, Charlie. It's going to be about 25 minutes to a half an hour. Can you make it that long? Yeah. So got in my car, drove to Looks, bought four lobster tails, not one, bought four lobster tails, brought them in and gave them to the kitchen staff and said, make one for Charlie, put these in there, put his name on them for whatever he may want. So not one, not five, at least 10 employees saw what I did. And when we talked about it, we used to meet on, on uh, Tuesdays when we talked about it the next Tuesday, there's 10 or 12 of us that, that meet there and, and they're, they're the baseline employees. They're not the leadership team. And <clears throat> so Dan said to me, that's got to be the greatest experience that Charlie's ever had and ever will have, because we knew that he was, you know, he was very sick. And I said, that's the experience that we should try to deliver to every single person. At that point, let's see, that was about um, 2003. And so uh, I developed uh, with the board of directors, um, the ability for each and every staff person to spend up to $500 to make someone's experience what it should be or what it should have been. And it, I could tell you numerous times of people that went well above and beyond because they understood. And what we, once again, I hate to keep relating back to our consulting business, but we no longer 
concentrate on you know return on investment in our industry we look at return on experience mm -hmm. what what whatever we do what are we going to do to enhance that experience and have that experience be better than it was before whether that's a, a developed or new culture within the, the service culture that you're delivering mm -hmm. or whatever the case is it's that extended experience that that wow factor like mm -hmm. and yeah but but yeah, i think about that story not only is that an amazing experience for that gentleman but what an amazing experience for those team members yes, to yeah. see what I, I want to work for a place like that, that cares enough about human beings to bring an experience that's only and exactly for that person. And that return on an experience by creating raving fans, loyal customers, loyal team members, that's a culture, though. ROE. Yep. So you've got to develop that culture of making sure people understand experience. And here's the thing from a leadership perspective. Most people don't understand that until they've seen it, yep. been taught it, and given the opportunity to do that. Yeah. It's a brilliant story. Yeah. Ted, I thank you for your time. I thank you for all the pearls here right. on leadership, <laughs> on experiences. Uh, if we just incorporate a couple of them, we'll be way further ahead. So thanks well, again. Thank you. Thank all of you. It's It's been a great time. And I just love, I, I could sit here for hours. So yeah, I know uh, you could. <laughs> we could go ahead. I love these stories. Thanks. Dad. Thank you so much right, for the bet. time. You, you can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com.